Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Consciously Blooming. I'm your host, Natalie Green, and I'm so happy to have you here today. If you listened to last week's episode, Lessons from Unfuck Yourself by Gary John Bishop, Part 1, this will be Lessons from the Same Book, Part 2. Before I jump right in, I will begin, as I always do, with what I've been into and what I've been up to, but I do want to make a disclaimer. I am very sick right now. I just got back from a work trip to Chicago. Honestly, (laughs) that's what I've been up to. I did go to Chicago for work and it was such an absolute blast. I got to go to a Chicago Bulls game for the first time, so that was a ton of fun. And we also had a volunteer opportunity with Phil's friends and they deliver care packages to people who are fighting cancer. So I really, really enjoyed being able to partake in those activities with my company. But following that, the disclaimer is once I got home, I caught whatever my boyfriend had while I was gone, and now I am super sick. I, like, practically thought I was dying last night. It was crazy. Anyways, what I've been into, lip gloss, lip gloss, lip gloss. I've never been a lip gloss girly, really, but recently I found this lip gloss that I got last Christmas, and it was Buxom, B-U-X-O-M. And they have these like plumping lip glosses and they're not super plumping by any means. They're just like honestly kind of minty and they have a nice light pigment to them. And also Grace, one of my best friends, sent me a Mario lip gloss. It's makeup by Mario and it's also a plumping lip gloss that is very minty. And I'm just super into them right now because I love how minty they feel. And so I do find myself reapplying which is good because whenever I put lipstick on, I put it on once and then never reapply because I don't think about it. And so it immediately goes away. But for this kind of lip gloss, I really like how it feels. So I do find myself reapplying it. So very much into like minty plumping lip gloss. So that's Buxom, B-U-X-O-M and Makeup by Mario. I really am loving those. And then I already went over what I've been up to, but that disclaimer was because if I seem a little bit less um, enthusiastic than I usually am. It's not because I don't love this topic. It's just because I am fighting something off right now. Anywho, following up on last week's episode, this is part two of Lessons from Unfuck Yourself by Gary John Bishop. As I mentioned last week, I have been very honest about my feelings on this book. If you want to hear more about those feelings, I suggest you go back and listen to part one if you haven't already. Otherwise, the gist of what I was frustrated by about this book really comes down to two things. Number one, he dedicates entire pages to a quote. I'm talking about a one-sentence quote on the front of a page in a large font and a completely blank back of the page. And then number two, on every page, there's at least one paragraph composed of two sentences. Basic grammar has taught everyone, and I mean everyone, that a paragraph needs to have a minimum of three sentences, and that is the bare minimum. So, these may seem like strange gripes, but it really seemed like he was just trying to reach a certain word count, and honestly, that really bothered me. With that being said, I do think he has some really great moments of wisdom, and I do think it is a good book for those just starting their journey in the self-improvement book genre. This is part two of me sharing those teachings with you, and you can decide if you want a more in-depth look into what Bishop is saying and give it a try yourself. Starting off strong with chapter five, Bishop begins by pointing out that we all crave certainty. It is in our human nature to crave some level of certainty. 
from the weather tomorrow or how our boss will react when we give them some not-so-nice news. We are always trying to predict the future, even though this is truly impossible. However, uncertainty is where life really gets exciting. Quote, Uncertainty is your personal pathway to opportunity. It's the environment in which you grow, experience new things, and produce new unprecedented results. Uncertainty is where new happens. End quote. This makes perfect sense when you give it some thought. If you crave certainty enough that you are doing the same thing each and every day, not wanting to see any changes, then you won't see them. Without the uncertainty brought on by change, nothing fun or exciting will ever happen. Even then, you can't predict everything. For example, let's say you do the same thing every single Saturday. You clean, you cook, you read. Well, one day, perhaps your fridge dies. You couldn't have predicted that, and now you have to spend your Saturday looking for a new fridge. So why not switch up your Saturday every now and then if life is already going to do that for you? Successful people chase uncertainty. No one ever knows that they are going to succeed. They are only certain that they are going to be relentless and didn't let that fear of the unknown stop them. On the flip side, a lack of uncertainty breeds complacency. For example, if you are no longer uncertain about money or success because you already have achieved them, you begin to think that life has become certain. You become complacent with what you have and who you are and stop growing. As someone who is very much a planner and therefore craves certainty, this chapter really spoke to me on several levels, but especially in this next quote. As you have probably noticed, when you do try to stay in your comfort zone, you never truly feel comfortable. There is always that nagging feeling that you could be doing more. There's always that desire for a life that's better than the one you have now. End quote. This is a feeling that I am very familiar with that nagging that Bishop referenced. I think this nagging feeling is really important to listen to. It doesn't just have to be about money. It can be about becoming your best self, about changing, about growing. We need to strengthen that muscle that is being uncomfortable and embracing uncertainty. All of our wildest hopes and dreams are held by uncertainty, and we need to embrace it. Uncertainty is the key to our future. Following this idea on embracing uncertainty, Bishop points out that we are not defined by our thoughts, but by our actions. I really liked the Theodore Roosevelt quote that Bishop used here, and he said that, quote, Great thoughts speak only to the thoughtful mind, but great actions speak to all mankind, end quote. And I do want to emphasize that that was not a Gary John Bishop quote. That was a Theodore Roosevelt quote that he used that I thought was very applicable. But this chapter also takes an interesting look at this idea by reminding us of how many negative, silly, or useless thoughts that we have each day. We truly cannot control our thoughts 24-7. Even as someone who tries to be very positive, I of course experience negative thoughts as well as everyone does. But again, our thoughts don't define who we are. Our actions do. That being said, We can't just wait around to feel ready or to be in the perfect mood to take action. We likely will never feel 100% ready or to be in the perfect mood. We simply have to take that next step to take action. But what is even more interesting here is that by doing, you are able to change your way of thinking. And this is also the quickest way to change your way of thinking. Here is why, quote, 
We know your thoughts can become your reality. And when your reality is one of acting on the things that are in your best interests, your thoughts will actually shift to match that, end quote. Dissecting this quote, we can see how once you make your reality one of action, you will be able to develop confidence in your capabilities. More, yes, I got this, and less, I'm not sure I can handle that. Furthermore, you really can't just wait for the right moment, as it will likely never come and you're wasting time waiting for it. Even from my own experience, especially in work, when I get assigned something or have a new client opportunity, I'm immediately worried about not being capable or not having had enough time to learn. But what do I do? I say yes. I am my actions, not my thoughts, and I want to be seen as someone who is a go-getter and who is very ready to learn. But all of the most successful people that you can think of most certainly also worked past those negative thoughts and feelings, and just did, as should we. Bishop stays on this theme of embracing uncertainty and acting over our thoughts when introducing the topic of chapter 7. He begins by having the reader imagine any of the great accomplishments in your life. Maybe that was a big sale at work, getting married, graduating from college. Whatever it was, you had to deal with uncertainty and likely a lot of work to get there. Quote, in fact, the greater degree of discomfort you experience, the greater the difficulty, the greater the sense of personal accomplishment that comes after, end quote. So the longer you were uncomfortable or the greater the degree of being uncomfortable, the more satisfaction you will get from your success. And what is required to be able to handle this probably anxiety-inducing uncertainty, and even getting lost as to where you are going? Being relentless. It is the fuel that drives you to keep going even when all set of hope or success is lost. Bishop then switches gears with the idea that, quote, the world doesn't stop you from succeeding. You're not that big of a deal, end quote. The only thing that truly stops ourselves from succeeding is ourselves, Everyone has their own obstacles. They are always going to be dealing with uncertainty. You have to choose to be relentless. Quote, there aren't any road signs when you're trekking through the uncharted territory. It's all discovery and exploration. You are blazing a trail, not following one. End quote. All you can do is face one thing at a time, handle one thing after another. This is how you become relentless. You handle it one step at a time and you just keep going. By doing so, even if you can't clearly see your progress, you can know that you are growing and succeeding little by little each step of the way. Chapter 8 ties in well with Chapter 5, Embracing Uncertainty, but from a different perspective that I really appreciated. This actually may have even been my favorite chapter in the book. We all have expectations in our lives, whether that be in our career, in our personal lives, in our relationships, and for ourselves. But we also have hidden underlying expectations that we likely aren't even aware of. And when either of these types of expectations aren't met, we feel very strongly about it. Quote, how do you know if you have hidden expectations in your life? If you have places in your life where you experience disappointment, resentment, regret, suppression, anger, lethargy, essentially anywhere you are deflated or have some loss of your personal schutzpah or any other suppressive emotion, you have these expectations, end quote. You feel negatively when there is a gap between your hidden expectations and your reality. 
We base our reality on our expectations, not what is truly happening, and that is where we get disappointed. We might expect our friends and family to act a certain way, and when they don't, we become frustrated, even if that person has shown time and time again how they will behave. We choose to be tied to our expectations and not the reality. Bishop gives a quick little exercise that we can do to help identify some of our underlying expectations. First, take a sheet of paper and on one half, describe your expectations of how a difficult situation that you are currently facing would play out, how you expected it to play out. Now, on the other half, describe how it is actually playing out. The difference is likely stark, and that's when you can see those hidden expectations. He wants us to take the time to evaluate how these differences make us feel. But do these feelings make any difference? Nope, none at all. Quote, your problems don't derail you, your hidden expectations do. End quote. Your expectations don't really matter, aside from the fact that when they are not met, you feel negatively. So, how do we avoid being let down by our expectations? Quote, we expect nothing and accept everything. End quote. You are living in the moment and accepting what is in front of you. Thinking back to my other episodes, I do consistently mention the idea of acceptance and how it does not mean that you are happy or okay with whatever is going on. You are simply accepting that this is the current reality. This is also the first step of change, because if you are delusional on how your current state is, how do you know where to start to reach your end goal? Furthermore, our expectations greatly impact our relationships, and they don't have to. I personally hold a lot of expectations for people, and this is something I'm truly working on. Some of these expectations I hold even though the person has shown me time and time again that they will not meet them, which does make me sound a little crazy, but it's true. We need to get rid of these expectations we put on others. Think about it. They can't read your mind. They don't know what you're expecting. Instead, you should ask for what you want and give without expecting in return. Also, not expecting does not mean not planning. You should plan, and really, you should plan for success. But when you have those moments where you don't succeed, you learn from them and move forward. Bishop ends the book kind of wrapping everything he went over up, starting with reviewing the seven personal assertions he gave us. I am willing. I am wired to win. I got this. I embrace uncertainty. I am not my thoughts, I am what I do, I am relentless, and I expect nothing and accept everything. Ultimately, all of this is useless if you don't act. We all want to stay comfortable, to be with the known and steer clear from the unknown, but this keeps us from our full potential. The best things in life lie in uncertainty, and that's where we have to go to find them. How you feel and what you think don't get you anywhere. Only your actions do. So sometimes you have to act without paying mind to that internal dialogue. He hits home with two final thoughts that I think are very important. That is, we cannot be held back by our past. It is what made us who we are today and holding regret or anger towards it will change nothing. The second, and I think really the underlying focus of the whole book as a self-improvement book, is that only you can take a stand for your potential. No matter how many other people believe in you or want to see you succeed, 
only you can succeed for yourself. Now with that, I will close from a quote by Epictetus. I think he's a Greek philosopher. I'm not exactly sure. Don't quote me on that. But he said, circumstances don't make the man. They only reveal him to himself. Now with that, I will end this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this two-part series. Please let me know if you do end up reading the book and please like, share, and leave a review for this episode. And I hope you have a wonderful week and keep consciously blooming into your best self.